Two weeks ago, the gospel told us that the 5,000 people Jesus miraculously fed with three loaves of bread and two fish were so overwhelmed by the experience that they thought he was the prophet and they wanted to go and make Jesus their king. The gospel also taught us that the Lord can create an abundance out of what little we have if only we are willing to offer that little in trust. And last week, the gospel showed how quickly the crowd's enthusiasm for Jesus nosedived as he revealed his true identity and the uncompromising miracle that he was prepared to offer them and is prepared to offer us the true bread from heaven. At first, they called Jesus the prophet. Not 24 hours later, they called him rabbi. And when confronted with the holy mystery, they called him sir. The more he revealed himself, the more they dug in their heels and resisted him. This is the insanity of our fallen human nature. And very often, we do the same thing. Once again, <clears throat> for reasons that are not at all clear to me, our reading leaves out some critical verses, verses 36 through 40, that connect last weekend's reading with today's. In those verses, Jesus repeated the claim, Ego imi artososoi, I am the bread of life. Using that expression, ego imi, I am, for the Hebrew, ea asher ea, I am who I am, the title God gave of himself to Moses. Then he added, For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. Jesus made it explicitly clear he came down from heaven testifying that his origin is not of this world, that the Father has entrusted every human soul to him, and his desire is to give life to every human soul. It is after this our reading begins with the disturbing reaction of the crowd. The Jews murmured, about Jesus because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. And they added, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph? Do we not know his father and mother? Then how can he say I've come down from heaven? The word murmur in the Greek of the gospel is goguzdo. It means to speak privately in a low voice or to grumble, or my favorite translation, to utter secret and sullen discontent. Notice that Jesus confronted them with their private thoughts by saying, stop murmuring among yourselves. Showing he was not an ordinary man. Only God can read our thoughts. 
They simply assumed they knew Jesus' origins. They said his father was Joseph, showing they hadn't the foggiest idea of who Jesus really was. But Jesus pressed them by claiming, everyone who listens to my father and learns from him comes to me, reasserting his radical, unalterable, scandalous claim. His father is God. And to underscore that revelation, Jesus said, not that anyone has seen the Father except the one who is from God. He has seen the Father, meaning Jesus and Jesus alone has this immediate, total, and eternal intimacy with God. Moses didn't have it. None of the prophets had it. No religious figure before or since has had it. Only Jesus. Jesus then said again, I am the bread of life, with all its truth, integrity, and energy unchanged. He clarified that he is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat it and not die. And to stress this connection between eating and living, he added, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. No other bread can be described as living bread. I don't care how good a baker you are. The only bread that can be considered living bread that in turn gives life has to be a bread that is alive and is eternal. And what kind of bread can possibly be described as alive and eternal? Jesus himself who is the eternal word of God, who became flesh by the work of the Holy Spirit and the consent of the Virgin Mary, and was born in time in a town called what? Bethlehem. Which means what? House of bread. Coincidence? Not likely. Jesus shocked the Jews his own disciples, and many today with his uncompromising, absolute, and unapologetic claim. And the bread that I will give is my flesh for the life of the world. Once again, Jesus has laid down the mystery of the Eucharist, a miraculous feeding on his flesh for eternal life at the feet of of fallen human beings. And he does so every time the gospel is proclaimed and every time this divine liturgy is celebrated. Such words are beyond our comprehension, which is why our fallen nature insists on ascribing to them a symbolic meaning. This is what I was raised with as a Protestant. But as I said last week, our fallen nature is afraid of mystery. It wants to control mystery. It wants to tame mystery. It wants to manage mystery. But Jesus cannot be controlled. He cannot be tamed. He cannot be managed. Only received. It is not for Jesus to lower himself to our level. It is for us 
to accept the grace to allow Jesus to raise us up to his level. It is true, of course, that Jesus used the language of symbol in the Gospels. He did this, for example, when he wanted to convey the nature of the kingdom of God. He would say, the kingdom of God is like. He used symbolic imagery in many of his parables, giving people something they already were familiar with to convey a truth, an insight they hadn't thought of before. Here, however, there is a complete absence of symbolic language. Jesus was blunt and direct in conveying the extreme measure that he, united with his Father, would go out of love for man to feed us with his flesh, to give us life. It is critical to note here that Jesus made no effort to soften his words. He made no effort to backpedal his claim. He couldn't even if he wanted to because he is the word of God became flesh. He is the truth in the flesh whose word has all the power and all the authority of his father's word making whatever he says real. It cannot be otherwise that such a truth that he is the living bread is beyond our comprehension is not Jesus' problem. It's ours. And it is always a rejection of grace when we attempt to soften, symbolize, or redefine Jesus' words to fit into our comfort zone. Jesus is very concrete. Either one accepts the grace to believe, receive, and has life, or one does not. There's no in-between zone here. There's no straddling the fence. There's no theological debate. There's no politically correct compromise. Jesus doesn't give a hoot about our sensitivities. But he deeply, passionately cares about our salvation. He laid out the revelation at the feet of bewildered people for whom such language was simply beyond the pale. And he does it again and again and again every time the gospel is proclaimed and the divine liturgy is celebrated. How did those 5,000 people respond? How did many of Jesus' disciples respond? And how many today respond to the scandalous mystery, incomprehensible mystery of the Eucharist. We will see that two weeks from today.